0: missing pieces series, and we've talked about different pieces of our life that are missing. And so today, and I think this fits uh, after what happened yesterday, we are talking about joy. Let me turn it the right way, all right? Come on. We are talking about joy and how joy uh, fits in our life. So we want to make sure that that is part of our life. Let me make sure and get that right there. Man, Pastor Mike's been doing a good job. There we go. All right, I got it. Come on, i was not even sure I was going to be able to do that. Come on, clap your hands for me. I was a little worried about that. Hey, but I think joy is one of the most important things that we can have in our life because it gives us strength in so much area. So, uh, hey, let's pray as we get into God's Word today. Father, we love you. Lord, we just thank you for this day. God, we pray uh, that as we look into your Word, God, that you would fill us with your joy. God, we love you. We pray as we open up our hearts God, that we would also open up our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, and everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. Hey, I think joy is important. I think all of us wanna have joy in our life. And I think it's important for us to know that God wants you to have joy in your life. God did not create us to be miserable. God didn't create us to be down all the time. In fact, I love this verse. This is in John chapter 17, where Jesus is praying to his father, but he's talking about us, all right? You ever heard somebody talking about you and you just eavesdrop a little bit, all right? If you read your Bible, in John chapter 17, we get to eavesdrop on Jesus talking to his father about us. And so in that, he says, I am coming to you now, saying he's going back to heaven. But I say these things while I am still in the world so that they, and that's us, check this out may have the full measure of my joy within them. I want you to know today as we get into this that God's plan for your life is not for just you to have a little bit of joy, all right? Not just to have enough joy to get by. I don't know, Is anyone else like me, do you stop twice a week and put just enough gas in the tank to get where you need to go that day? Has anyone else ever done that? I feel like I'm always in a hurry. I don't have time. I go to the slow gas station, all right? And I think, what do I need to do, man? And then what happens, I gotta stop the next day. That is not God's plan for your life. God doesn't want you to have just enough to survive and just enough to make it through today. I think this is an incredible verse. God's plan for your life is to have the full measure of his joy. Everything that God has, and I don't know about you, I think God's got a lot of joy. There's a lot of singing in heaven. There's a lot of celebrating in heaven. And what God says is everything that I have here in heaven, all my joy, not a little bit of, all my joy, that's what I want you to have. And I would say this, not do we just want it because that's what God wants for our life, but we need joy in our life. And here's why. This is what I think joy is. I was thinking the last couple weeks. No that I was talking about this. You know, what is joy? You know, sometimes we have these words that we say so often, you know, they sometimes lose their meaning. Here's what I think joy is. Joy is what gives us the energy to make life fulfilling and enjoyable. Joy is what gives us the energy to make life fulfilling and enjoyable. How many of you are not worth anything in the morning till you've had a cup of coffee? Come on, raise your hand if that's you right here. How many of you need another cup of coffee around 3 o'clock in the afternoon? All right, you ever had those moments where, man, you just can't get it going? And then, you know, you need coffee or need something like that? I think joy is spiritual and emotional caffeine. All right, joy is what gives us the energy to make life fulfilling, to do the things that satisfy us, that build us up to do the things that makes life emotional, I mean, it makes, makes life uh, uh, enjoyable. It gives us courage, it, it gives us creativity, it gives us, uh, it gives us endurance to make it through the things that life has. I think we need joy in our life because joy gives us the energy to face the things that we gotta face every single day. All right, if we don't have joy in our life, we lose that energy. Have You ever had moments in your life where you just absolutely had no energy? Maybe you were sick, Maybe you are tired. Maybe you have teenagers. You know, it could be any of those things. I mean, you just have those moments in your life where you just feel like, I can't do anything. I just can't get going. And, you know, it's one thing when it's physical. But I tell you what, what is a hard part of life. When it's not a physical lack of energy that you have, it's an emotional lack of energy. It's a spiritual lack of energy that you just don't feel like you have what it takes to do the things you need to do to make your life fulfilling, to make it satisfying, to make it enjoyable. You're kinda looking at other people doing that, wondering what they have. It's joy that gives us that energy. So that's what we wanna talk about today. When joy is missing from our life, how can we get it back? Now, I wanna tell you this. I don't think joy is the absence of sadness. You know, sometimes we think joy is just us being in a good mood all the time, being happy all the time. I don't think joy is necessarily absence of sadness. Things are going to happen in our lives, things are going to happen in your lives that bring sadness to our life. So I don't want you today to feel guilty. Well, man, I feel a little sad about this thing that happened. Well, man, some things happen. The appropriate response is sadness. And I want to say this today because I'm thinking about, you know, in a crowd this size, Man, there's people here that something has happened in your life. Sadness may always be a part of your life. There was a loss. There was something that happened. There was something that was taken away. That, man, sadness may always be a part of your life, but that doesn't mean you can't have joy in the midst of sadness. I don't think joy is the absence of sadness. Now, I do think this. Joy is the absence of misery and despair. Joy is the absence of misery And despair. Here's what misery says. Misery says everything is wrong, all right? Sadness says something is wrong. Misery says everything is wrong. And despair says it's never going to get better. You see the difference there? That's why I don't think joy is the absence of sadness. There are going to be things wrong in our life, and we're sad about those things. Relationships, sickness, stuff like that, we're sad about that. There's nothing wrong with that. All right? It's not the absence of sadness. I think joy is the absence of misery and despair. Misery says life is terrible, and despair says it'll never get better. And so here's what happens. When there's misery in our life, we feel like everything is wrong because something is wrong. Does that make sense? Something happens in our life, and we feel like that spills over into everything else. One of my boys, when he was younger, he's, he's, got, he's got a little bit of a temper. All right? He's like his mama. All right? Not like me. He's got a little bit of a temper, and when somebody would do something to him, he would say, You ruined my life. I was like, man, what can you do at four years old to ruin your life? <laughs> Found out they beat him to the video game. That's what it was. But he just had, it doesn't matter how I, he he would have days where he would look at me, he's kind of the roller coaster kid. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody have a roller coaster kid in your life? All right? I bet Pastor Ryan Frith was a roller coaster kid, all right? And so you have this kid, I mean, he, Dad, this is the best day. Like if things were going good, he'd let you know, Dad, this is the best day ever, all right? He would have days where at 11 o'clock, he would look at me and, Dad, this is the best day ever. At 12 o'clock, Dad, this is the worst day ever, all right? And and so here's what happens. That's what misery says. Misery says something that has happened in my life that is so bad, it has ruined everything else. And then despair says it's never going to get better. It has ruined everything else that I have. And here's what I think about when I think about misery and despair. I just think about stuck. Just stuck. You ever been just stuck? I don't know if you've ever been physically stuck, all right? I, I, I've, I've been stuck before. I, I don't know why I wasn't planning on telling this story, but I took the kids to, um, I took the kids to Disney World one time, and I thought I was going to plan ahead because I don't want to spend $8 for water, all right? So I was going to buy a nice backpack to carry water all around. And I thought, I'm going to invest in a backpack. I want to make sure that it fits. So I'm by myself. I go to Academy, and I think the backpacks were somewhere in the back. And I kind of looked and see which one that I liked. And I found one that I thought was good. And so, you know, I, I put it on to see how it fits. It's going to be carried around a lot, kind of tightened the straps. And then I went to take it off. And I couldn't get the backpack off. And so I'm in the back. And, and look, I, I don't go to a store where somebody didn't say, hey, Pastor Johnny, how are you doing? And so I'm thinking. I start doing. I thought, do I just go ask some little 17 year old girl to help me take this backpack off? Man, I struggled for 30 minutes, and I was stuck. All right, you ever felt like that kind of emotionally? Man, you're just misery and despair. We are just stuck where we are. Joy gives us the energy to get out of that spot. It doesn't mean that what happened to us wasn't bad. It doesn't mean that what happened to us, maybe he wasn't even devastating, but we don't have to live there. And that's why I think it's so important that we have joy in our life. So here's the thing. We've got to fight for our joy. We've got to fight for our joy. And here's why. Because joy gives us the energy for every other fight. I really believe that life is in a sense that don't please go negative on me or think that I'm going negative. I think life is just really kind of one fight after another. Does that make sense? I mean, have you noticed how many fighting there is in the Bible? I mean, there's a lot of fights in the Bible, even in the New Testament. I mean, they didn't stab anybody, but they, you know, they, they argued a little bit. And so there's all these fights. I really think life is a series of fights. Man, how many of you, I got to fight to stay holy. All right, that's, that's not easy. Holiness is a fight. How many know marriage is a fight? All right? Not, hope not a real fight. You know what I'm talking about? Let's 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 that's a metaphor. All right, let's let's be serious about that. But man, man, having a good marriage, keeping a good attitude, raising children, being a friend, it's a fight in that it takes energy, it takes work. And so here's the thing: joy, we gotta fight for our joy. Because joy gives us the energy for every other fight. And we can't reach that point. I don't know if you ever reached that point. You know, we talked about a little bit physically. But you ever reach that point emotionally where you just say, I I can't do this anymore. I just can't do this anymore. And look, maybe there's some things in your life you don't need to do anymore. Maybe there's some people in your life you don't need to be around anymore. That's fine. Get rid of them, all right? But here's the thing. There are things in your life that are worth sticking with. And even the best parts of our life, even the most important relationships in our life, most of us will come to a point where we think, I can't do this anymore. It's joy that gives us the energy to keep going. All right, it's joy when you're raising kids and it's hard and you just wanna back off and not do the best job you can possibly do that says, you know what, I've got the energy, I'm gonna make this fulfilling and enjoyable, I'm gonna keep going. It's joy in our marriage, it's joy in our friendships. It's joy on our jobs, when we feel like our job is a calling and we're making the world better, but we hit a point where it just, man, we're tired, and man, I don't know if I can do this anymore. It's joy that pushes us over the edge, that gives us that energy to say, you know what? It is worth it. There are better days ahead. There is a reason and a purpose, and I will be glad I stuck with it if I can just push through this moment. If we give in to misery and despair, We'll give up. But if we fight for our joy, and I, I, that is a daily fight. If we will fight for our joy every day, we'll have the energy to push through that. I love this verse. In Nehemiah chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If not, it'll be on the screen. In Nehemiah chapter 8. Now look, Nehemiah was a part of a team. The nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed. And Nehemiah was a part of a team that went back to rebuild it. And here's the thing. It was hard work. It was a fight. Every single day was a fight of organizing people and finding the materials. And people were opposing them. And all these things were coming at them. And look at what Nehemiah says to the people. This is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Can we just stop right there? You know how people have plaques with scripture verses in their house and things like that? I think there ought to be more plaques with kind of a, you know, a Louisiana flair to it that says, go and have some gumbo and some sweet tea. Thus saith the Lord. Here's what I want you After church today, I want you to go honor the Lord and go and have some choice food and some sweet drinks. I I love that verse. That's not spiritual at all, but it brings me joy. But I want you to look at what, look at what he said to him. Look, man, these guys were working hard. They had an important mission. And in the middle of all that, Nehemiah says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Look at what he says. Do not grieve. You notice that's a command. Isn't that kind of crazy that that's a command? Don't we sometimes think grief is out of our control? And look, again, I'm not talking about we go through something, you know, that's hard. There, I, there's a process that we go through. But he's saying, do not grieve. Look at this. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. It is important that on a daily basis, we fight to keep our joy because we don't know what battle we'll face today that we're gonna need energy in that battle. He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I want you to look at what Paul says in Philippians. Now, I want you to know, in Philippians, Paul is writing from a prison, and he doesn't know at any moment he might be set free, at any moment he might be pulled out of the prison and killed. He actually writes, I think it's in Philippians two, it's in the end of one or two. He says, look, I don't know what's gonna happen to me, I might be going to heaven, I might be staying here. It's an amazing verse, because he says, I really don't care, either way, it's good. I'm like, man, Paul, you're a better man than me, all right? But from prison, this is what he writes. Brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. That's a command. Rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. What does that tell you? One of the things Paul said the most, he told people to have joy. Have joy, rejoice. That's a verb, all right? Now, look, that's the extent of my English knowledge. Don't ask me to point out the direct object. I don't know any of that. The only direct object I knew in school is when I shot a spitball and I directed that object over to the girl in the front row. But look what he says. Rejoice in the Lord. It's a verb. It's no trouble for me to write these things to you again. Look what he says. It's a safeguard for you. Joy gives us strength, but joy keeps us safe. Because Can I tell you this? Misery and despair are dangerous and destructive to us and the people around us. He says, look, joy is a safeguard for you. It's important. It's not just the difference between a good mood and a bad mood, all right, between a smile and a frown. Joy is important in our life. It gives us energy. It gives us strength. It keeps us from destroying ourselves and being destructive to people around us. It's a safeguard for you. Look at Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. You know, you know what Paul sounds like to me? He sounds like a parent on vacation, Have you ever gone somewhere with your kids, and at some point you had the speech, you will have fun right now. I have told my kids this in my house, you go to your bed and you don't come out till you can smile. And I've held them to it, let me see you smile. Nope, not good enough, go back, all right? That's what Paul is saying here. He says, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice always. And then he says, And again, I say it, rejoice with an exclamation point. So here's what I think is interesting about that. Joy is a choice. All right, now look, sometimes, again, it may not be a choice whether or not we're sad or not. Sadness can be a part of our life. Things happen in our life. I'm not making light of circumstances and especially of tragedy that I know in a room this big, there are people that have experienced some terrible things. I'm not making light of that. But what I am saying is you'll never make it through it without joy. Joy gives you the strength to make it through those things. So we've got to fight for our joy. How do we do this? I wrote down four things. Here are we to fight for our joy. Number one, we define our joy. We need to know what that means. I think it's really important that we define what we want for our life. Because if not, somebody will define it for us. I think it's important that we know that. And I think it's important because sometimes even when we're kind of communicating with ourselves. You know how you have that inner conversation? It just kind of goes on all day long. We can say one thing, but kind of hear ourselves say another. We really never be specific with ourselves on what we want. And that happens. You ever said one thing, but somebody heard what you said, but they heard something different, all right? Before I I came to work here at the church, uh, I, was, I coached football for a little bit, and I remember we were in spring practice, it was at the very beginning, and we were just going over the basics, and I helped coach the, uh, the offensive linemen. I know you're surprised, you look at me, think I coach the wide receivers. All right, I'm just joking. And so, uh, yeah, I was helping coach the offensive line. And so, I don't know why the way we said it was to get a kind of a, a good base is put your feet under your armpits. All right, so like that. So I had about 20 eighth through 10th graders out there, and I said, all right, we're going to look. So all starts with a good stance. What I want you to do, and I kind of did this. I said, I want you to get your feet under your armpits, and then I kind of walked around to make sure that it's good, son. That's good. I look over. This eighth grader is like this. He's trying to get his feet under his armpits. I should have corrected him, but I waited to see what he was going to do with the second foot. (laughs) But I thought about it. He was doing exactly what I said. And so I think even with ourselves, we've got to be specific on what we want out of life. I think we've got to be specific. What are the things that will bring me joy? And we draw a target around those things. And we arrange our life about the things that we've identified that will bring us joy. And here's why that's important. Because I think life, let me think of it if I can explain this the right way. Life is a constant battle of being pulled in different directions. You know what I'm talking about? It seems every moment, how many of you, every moment you feel like you need to be in two places at one time? You just never, it doesn't matter how early you get up, how, how late you stay up, you feel like you never do enough. You feel like there are so many things to take care. There are not enough hours in the day. And so if we haven't defined this is what I want for my life, these are the things that bring me joy, and then I'm going to arrange my life in such a way as to hit that target. We'll never hit it. I think it's important we do that. I don't tell you, I just because I want to be as practical as I can. This is my list. You make your own list. But here's what I've found brings me the most joy. Number one, when I'm right with God. When I am right with God, when I'm living a life that's holy and I'm spending time with him on a daily basis. I don't do that for him. I do that for me. When I don't have time for God, when I live a life that's outside of his laws and breaking his commandments, it may bring me, you know, Uh, instant gratification, but it steals my joy. And I've just found when I'm living a life that's right with God, I've got more joy in my life. I've found that relationships with family and friends. That's what brings me joy. You know, it's interesting. I I have the honor, and I really mean this, of being at a lot of funerals. and, And I pay attention at those funerals. You know what I've noticed? I never see pictures of really nice houses up on the screen, I never see pictures of somebody at their desk with just papers everywhere. You know what I see? Fathers and sons fishing, mothers and daughters at ball games, hanging out at the house, Christmas Day. It's all relationships. You know, at the end of the, and we all know that, sometimes we just can't remember that on a Monday afternoon. Relationships bring me joy. Can I tell you this? When God is using me to make a difference in the world, that brings me joy. It costs me too. It costs me time, costs me energy, costs me money. It costs me, but when I'm not doing that, I, I, I don't have joy in my life. I'm a parent when I see my kids thriving. That brings me joy. Now let me tell you this, that's my list. You make your own list, but here's what I know. I want to identify that list so I can arrange my life around those things. Because I don't want to get to the end of my life And look back, and I've put all my energy in things that really have no return. And I would say this, that's not even an honor God thing. That's a better life for me thing. Now, I think it does honor God, but I think it's important that we define what joy means to us so that we can put energy into it. And I'll say this, it's not just defining your own circle. We live in a world that says, man, whatever brings you joy, you just go go do it. I don't think that's the case. You can make the wrong choices. We can pursue the wrong things. I, I've got this dog I bought last year for my, my kids. His name's Logan. Pray for Logan. He's not saved. He needs Jesus. <laughs> and so last year, me and one of my boys, uh, Jordan, we were out throwing the baseball in the front yard. And uh, Logan's out there. And, and Logan's just not afraid of anything. All right? He's not a big dog. But he's not afraid of anything. And so we're throwing the ball in the front yard. And this truck pulling a trailer comes driving down our street. And Logan takes off as hard and as fast as he can run at that truck and trailer. And so I'm yelling at him because I'm thinking my son's going to see his dog die right here in the front yard. And so he goes as hard as he can. And and thankfully, he wasn't fast enough to get there. If he'd have hit the front of the truck, it would have killed him. But he hit the very back trailer. And as soon as he did, you know, some people say my dog got hit by a car. My dog hit a car as hard and as fast as he could. I mean, he was putting all his energy into it. And as soon as he hit that back trailer, you know, he just kind of realized he'd made a mistake. He comes limping back on three legs, kind of holding one up. And so I'm trying to comfort my son and I get my dog and I put it in the truck and I take it to the vet. And here's the thing, I'm thinking the whole way, what's the number that if the vet comes back, it's going to cost this much? I got to go back and tell my kids, I'm sorry, but Jesus wanted a puppy. Because I'm not that dog parent. (laughs) So here's the thing. Man, Logan identified what he wanted, found out it was destructive. It's not just about identifying whatever we want. And here's where the Bible is our guide. The Bible lays out very clearly, these are the things that bring us joy. I think we've got to define the right things so we can arrange our life around them. And then this, so we define our joy. Secondly, we pursue joy. Don't wait for joy to happen to you. Pursue joy in the middle of what's happening. I think some of us think that joy is like weather. We have no control over it. We just wake up in the morning hoping it's good. You know, we can't, I don't know. If, I find the older I get, the more I check the weather. I don't know why. I'm outside less. <laughs> but is anybody else like that? Man, I'll be four days out. I don't know what I'm doing in four days, but it's going to be 80 degrees. Like they know, like they're ever right. And I think some of us think joy is like that. Like we check our phone, oh, it's going to be happy tomorrow. That's great. Paul said, no, rejoice in the Lord. It's a command. We have to pursue joy. And look, that's why I call it, we got to fight for our joy. It's not easy. It's not an easy. To, it's much easier just to kind of sit back and let life happen to us. It's not like that, man. It's not like the weather. Let me read this scripture to you. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul says this. I am greatly encouraged. Look at this. In all of our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. Isn't that an amazing scripture? You see, sometimes I think, well, no, you don't understand. You don't know what's going on in my life. I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. Joy is not an option for me. That's not what Paul says. Paul says, in all of my troubles, my joy knows no bounds. A a chapter later... He's speaking about a church in Macedonia. Look what he says about them. In the midst of a very severe trial, this next verse, this next phrase is amazing. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. You would think overwhelming joy and extreme poverty do not belong in the same sentence. But Paul says that we can have it. Whatever's going on in our life, not to make light of it. And again, not that there's not sadness, not that there's not hard days, not that there's not bad times or tears, but even in the midst of that, Paul says we can find joy. Here's something that's helped me. This one phrase. I have to make the life I want out of the life I have. I've got to make the life I want out of the life I have. Let me tell you where there's no joy. And I've looked for it here. There's no joy in the life I wish I had. There's no joy in the life I used to have. You ever heard that old joke about a lady walking down the street and she sees a man. He's, it's dark, it's night, and he's under a street light. And he's, he's kind of down like this. He's on his hands and knees. And he's looking on the ground. And she says, well, what are you doing? He says, I'm, I'm looking for my keys. She said, well, did you, lose, did you lose them here? He said, no, I lost them over there in the yard, but the light's better here. Isn't that sometimes how we we live our life? Joy is over there, but it seems like it ought to be here. Joy seems like it ought to be in the life that I wish I had, the life that I hope that I'll have one day. And look, there's nothing wrong with drive and and pushing for a better life, but don't wait for them to have joy. There's only joy in the life that I'm living. As hard as it may be, I've got to learn to make the life that I have the life that I want. Look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. And this Philippians 4.13 may be one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It's where Paul says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Football players write it on their face. All right, man, when you got a hard day at the office, that's, I mean, that's one of those that you put up on kind of your bathroom mirror. You got a tough day. Man, I, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. One of my favorite stories, my first son, when he was little, he was staying with my father-in-law. And it was just the two of them. And so my, he, was, he was really small, and he had a bad diaper. And so he went to my father-in-law, who I don't think changed diapers when he had kids. All right, those days have changed, I'll tell you that. And so he goes to my father-in-law and says, you says, know, yeah, I need you to change my diaper. And he said, son, you don't understand. I don't do that. And my son looked up and said, Paul, you can do all things. <laughs> so this is one of those verses like, man, you know, when we're really stretching ourselves, when we're shooting for the stars, this is the verse we pull out. And let me tell you, I think it applies to that, all right? Don't stop doing that. But I want you to see the context that Paul puts it in. Again, Philippians, he's writing from prison. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Look at this. I have learned the secret of being content. Isn't that interesting? Content and I can do all things. It sounds like they're opposites. I mean, isn't it really, we all, man, don't be content. Man, and look, Paul's not saying don't have drive. Paul was an ambitious dude. Paul accomplished a lot. Paul, man, hit the ground running in the morning and made things happen. We're not talking about a lazy guy. But here's what I think Paul was saying. You know what? I can handle it. I'm in prison. I'm in the palace. I can handle it. I'm rich. I'm poor. I can handle it. Man, I can live and be content and find joy and be happy in whatever situation I find myself in. Look what he says. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want i can do everything through him who gives me strength paul was saying i'm going to pursue joy no matter what's going on in my life i don't care how good it is or how bad. let me he might be saying this it's not any easier when it's good than it is when it's bad because joy is found in jesus christ and he is just as present in both situations Paul is saying, I'm going to pursue joy. Let me give you two little practical things on how to pursue joy. This has helped me. Number one, being grateful. I think being grateful helps us find joy. I think gratefulness is like a Find My Joy app. You have that Find My Phone app on your phone, you know, which sounds crazy. Because if you lost your phone, you can't go to your app. But you ever lost your phone and you go to somebody else that's got that app and you type in the little thing and your phone, it's one of the most amazing inventions in the history of the world because I'm always losing my phone. I think gratitude is like a find my joy app. When we just stop and say, you know, I know things are hard, but what about the things that are good? What about this? And what about this? And in fact, and this may not apply to everyone, but this is a thought that I had one day. There are things that are missing from my life there are things that I don't have that I wish I had or things that have happened that I wish hadn't happened. And if I'm not careful, they can steal all of my joy. But I had this thought, what is it in my life that I would not trade to even make that right? And you know what it is? I found some things. You know what? I wouldn't give up this. I know that was hard, but I wouldn't give up. And, and, and I, I want to be careful here because maybe you've gone through something so horrific, you would trade anything to get that back. And I believe sometimes that happens. But I'm going to tell you, for me, I found a few things. I said, you know what? I wouldn't trade these even if I could have that. I want to spend my energy thinking about these things. Let me tell you something. Gratefulness, it's a find my joy app. I think it's one of the ways that we pursue joy, even when life is hard. So being grateful. And the second one is being flexible. And that goes back to the make the life I want out of the life I have. I find when I am most frustrated... I'm trying to live one life in the middle of another life. Does that make sense? I'm trying, this is what I wanted to happen and I'm gonna make it happen, bless God, no matter what and find out that I can't and frustrate me and everybody around me. When I have taken the time to think, okay, you know what? Life's different. Let me change up my routine. Let me change my expectation. And I'm not saying lower, okay, life's gonna be, hard. I, I believe we can find joy in anything. But let me change my habits. Let me change my routine. Let me adjust and adapt to the life that I have and pursue joy in that. So I think I've got to pursue joy. The third one is this, spread joy. Define joy, pursue joy. And I think this is really important. Spread joy. We reap what we sow and we get what we give. If we want joy in our life, I think one of the best things we can do is help spread joy to the lives of other people. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9. He's talking about financial giving here, but I think it applies to every single area of our life. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. If I want God to be generous with joy in my life, I've got to be generous and spreading joy to the lives of other people. I think spreading joy is one of the most important things. I was listening to a podcast the other day. Totally secular, didn't have anything to do with the Bible, and they were talking about depression and things like that. And they said they found out, because they didn't read the Bible, but through all these studies and things like that, that people who serve and volunteer have a better chance of overcoming clinical depression than those who don't. Jesus said that 2,000 years ago. When he says, You see what I'm doing, blessed are you if you follow my example. I think, because here's what happens. You ever hurt yourself physically and you don't want anybody even talking to you? Have you ever done that? You ever kind of hurt yourself and people are trying to help? You know, hey, what what can I do? you?" You can get out of my face is what you can do. All right? I know nobody else has ever been like that. Just give me a moment. All right? That happens physically. That's okay. I think emotionally it's the same thing. We get hurt, we get pain, and we want to just kind of go inside. And isolate ourselves. That's the worst thing we can do. At that moment, man, if we can't find joy in our life, it's amazing how when we try to create joy in someone else's life, it just, it's like it's contagious and it overflows into us. It's like my kids eating beignets. They get it all over them. All right? Helping people, serving people, seeing a smile on their face, meeting their needs. It's amazing how we just get that all over us. I love this verse. It's in 3 John. All right. 3 John chapter, uh, chapter 1, but there's only one chapter. Where Paul says this. I mean, Paul. I've been talking about Paul so much. John says this. I have no greater joy. Stop right there. This is a dude who walked with Jesus. Who at the last supper was kind of leaning on his shoulder. Now, Jesus is more patient than me. I don't want anybody leaning on me while I'm eating. All right. Man, he's leaning on Jesus' shoulder. He has seen miracles. He has been a leader in the church. He's the last disciple alive. This dude has had joy in his life. For him to say, I have no greater joy, that's a big deal. And look what he says. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Now, as a parent, I love this verse. I wrote this verse in our kids' district and we we're able to write on the studs before we built it. I have no greater joy than hear my children walking in the truth. But we don't even know if John had children. He's not talking about his physical children, he's talking about those that he has invested his life into. And he says, I have no greater joy than to see joy in the face of others. I think the people that have the most joy in their life find their joy in others and not in themselves. And if I can live a life, that spreads joy, I'm going to find more more joy into my life. You know, and I would say this today. Who are your children? Who are those that you're investing your life into? Now, if you have physical children, they need to be on the list, all right? But it's not limited to those. Who is it that you're investing your life into that at some point when they succeed more than you ever dreamed, you could say, I have no greater joy than seeing what God has done in their life. Of everything I've achieved, of everything I've had, the greatest joy I've ever had, I don't think we'll ever experience true joy until we can say that. You know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about, you know, hosting a small group. And I'm sure that there were people that, you know what, I, I don't need a small group. Life's good, I got things going on. Man, that's fine. Here's the thing, if your life is good enough that you don't need a small group, you need to start a small group. Because other people need what you have. You need children, all right? Now, again, be careful with that small group, all right? You need, you need people that you're investing your life into. That's where the greatest joy comes from. When we get to a point that we say, man, life is good, I'm just going to kind of coast and shut it down. I think that's when our joy begins to decline. We're right on the edge. Man, there's people in here, you need to be starting a small group. You need to say, hey, man, we need to get together. Can we talk? Not because you need it, but because they need it. And when we begin to invest our life, when we find our joy in someone else, I think that's the greatest joy. And the last thing is this, trust God. Let me say, I wanted to find another joy here, thing because I had to find joy, pursue joy, spread joy. And, you know, Pastor Mike Heyman does such a good job of making all those things line up. But can I tell you this, I couldn't find a better phrase than trusting God. I think no matter what sermon we're preaching, it all comes down to this. And here's what I mean. When life gets hard, if we can tell ourselves, God's got a plan for my life. God's plan for my life is better than my plan for my life. And number three, and God's going to bring it to pass. I don't know how. I can't see how. But I trust God that he's got a plan, his plan is amazing, and the only thing that can stop his plan in my life is me. When we can say that, it's amazing how we can find joy even in the toughest times. Look, look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter 15. Paul said this, may the God of hope, hope is a byproduct of joy, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, what, as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing trust requires commitment. I really don't think there's any joy, because let's be honest God is the creator of joy. There's no joy in the world. There's gratification in the world, there's good times in the world, there's good moments in the world, but true joy is only found in Jesus Christ. Only the Holy Spirit can produce true joy in our life and that's why Paul says God will fill you with joy as you trust in him and trust requires commitment said all that to say we'll never experience joy until we can can commit our lives completely to Jesus Christ until we commit our lives to Jesus and I want to close with this story It's in Luke, and it's an interesting story. There's so much to it, but I just want to point out one verse. There's a story in Luke. It's in chapter 18, where a man comes to Jesus. The Bible calls him a rich, young ruler. He had everything. You name it, he had it. Life couldn't get any better for him. And he comes to Jesus, and to make the whole story short, he says, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus says, great idea. Go sell everything you have and come follow me. And I want you to look at this verse. I think it's one of the when we talk about joy. This one kind of hides in there, but I thought it was interesting. Luke 18, 23, this was his response. When he heard this, he became very sad. All right, he lost his joy. Why? Because he had great wealth. Isn't that interesting? He became sad because he had everything he ever wanted. So here's the thing, there's some people in here that feel like maybe I can't have joy because of the things I don't have and the bad things that have happened to me. But I also think there's some people in here that are just wondering why. Man, things are going good. Life is great. I'm accomplishing my goals. I'm moving in the direction that I wanted to go. Yet it just doesn't seem enough. You never have really hit true joy. And here's the thing, it's not the things we don't have that are holding us back, it's the things that we do. That Jesus is saying, if you'll give me that, if you're willing to let go of that, then I can give you this. But because you're not willing to let go of whatever it is, you're not willing to commit to me, you're really not willing to trust me, because trust and commitment go together. I can never completely release joy into your life. And I hope if you're here today, and look, man, life is good, but you realize, man, there's something missing. What's missing is 100% commitment to Jesus Christ. And I hope you'll make that commitment today. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225 225- Seven five three two two seven three.